a number of announcements uh, this weekend. Uh, this year, we are excited to present a new youth formation program called Audax Virtus, which is Latin for bold virtue. The program's focus will be to train the soul and enhan enhance the Catholic faith of our parish youth through prayerful study of the virtues. Weekly meetings will include a small meal, a fun activity, and small group discussion with adult facilitators centered around the, the virtues being focused upon. An information meeting will be held in the St. Ambrose Center on September 14th at 6 p.m. for parents, volunteers, and anyone interested in more details, or you can contact Ryan Delgado, the coordinator of youth and young adult formation in the parish office for information. All married and engaged couples are invited to attend the Together in Holiness Marriage Enrichment Conference to be held Saturday, October 29th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Christ the King Church in Nichols Hills. This opportunity for Catholic couples will feature inspiring speakers, Eucharistic adoration, reconciliation, and Mass celebrated by Archbishop Coakley. You can register for the conference online at the website togetherinholiness.org by September 5th to get a discount on admission. We had a great parish festival a week ago Saturday evening, uh, one of our uh, largest festivals in recent memory. It causes me to, to tell you that I'm really grateful uh, to be your pastor, to be the spiritual father of this community. And so uh, it was nice to be able to have a fun time to gather together for fellowship uh, and for relaxation. Certainly such events like that don't just happen without a lot of effort and a lot of work, so big public thanks uh, to the organizers and the many volunteers of our annual parish festival. And then a reminder, uh, so that there's clarity about the morning mass schedule, now that we're hosting a school on campus, there are morning masses when school is in session, so therefore be aware that since there's no school this Monday for Labor Day, there is also no mass this, uh, on Monday morning at 8 a.m. <clears throat> The Lord gives a clear and stark lesson in today's gospel. Calculate the cost of the project of following him. The lesson is stark because Jesus tells us to hate even valued family relationships and our own life. To come to him without such hate means we cannot be his disciples, he tells us. Now, if we had one of those street-side church message signs, it might be sort of cheeky to play off this gospel passage by displaying the message, Jesus says, hate others. It's probably a good idea, right, that we don't have one of those. I would do nothing but get myself into trouble over and over. I, uh, I've been calculating costs recently and looking at our parish budget needs as I prepare for some remarks on stewardship in a few weeks. And I'll admit that it's hard to maintain a spiritual focus and an awareness of Christ's presence when crunching things like budget numbers. It seems like such a drudgery, kind of far from the things of the faith and the things of the gospel. Should we then assume that calculating and counting costs, practical things like that, is foreign to the faith? 
Well, not according to this gospel. Who experiences a cost to being the Lord's disciple? would be a good question to ask ourselves. Don't we usually sort of at least act as if it's only the martyrs or the apostles or the great saints, in other words, a select few who pay a cost, while the vast majority of us live a less costly form of being a Christian? But the gospel doesn't let us get away with that idea. Notice Jesus' words today are not a private lesson for a select few of his disciples. Rather, the gospel is clear that Jesus addresses this lesson about cost to everyone, for he is speaking not to a select few, but as the gospel tells us, to great crowds who are following him. And that's what makes Jesus' words so stark and all the more sobering. You know what that means? It means that you and I are to experience a cost, a sting to following Jesus and choosing him above other relationships, above possessions, and even above our own earthly life. If we refuse to experience that cost, then we are not in fact being disciples of Jesus. And if we're acting like disciples in name only, while refusing the cost, then we are, to use gospel imagery, as foolish as a tower builder who starts a project but doesn't have enough money to complete it. We would be as irresponsible as a king marching into battle with fewer troops than necessary to win the battle. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> at this point, I've let that word hate hang in the air long enough with no explanation. It's meant to be shocking. It strikes our ears that way. The word in Greek that St. Luke places on Jesus' lips in this gospel passage, it does literally mean to hate. But like in all things, one has to look at the context and study that carefully to understand the shades of meaning that we might take from the passage. So the context is important. Looking at the context, we can say that Jesus is using hyperbole and telling us to hate other relationships in order to be his disciple. In fact, the way to understand this hyperbole is not how it strikes our ears when we hear the word hate, but it's rather that the Lord is saying we cannot prefer father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even our own life ahead of or before him. To be his disciple means that he is preferred above all else and that our relationship with him is the primary one that defines our life. Now you can look at other parallel passages in the other Gospels to help you understand context and kind of shades of meaning. So in this case, if we look at the parallel passage in St. Matthew's Gospel from Matthew chapter 10, where the Lord gives this same lesson, we find this wording. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. By comparing these two passages, we can see how it is a very similar teaching, but it is obviously less hyperbolic in St. Matthew's version. That helps us gather and get the sense of the interpretation and the shades of meaning. So don't walk away this weekend thinking you are being instructed from divine lips, those of the Lord Jesus, to literally hate others, much less those closest to you. But you also don't get to walk away thinking that you can prefer those relationships to the Lord, at least not if you're authentically being a disciple. And so we might ask ourselves in light of the gospel, do we admit a cost to following Jesus? Or do we operate kind of in our our daily duties as if there is no cost to discipleship? The gospel today can inspire a type of examination of conscience. What does belonging to Christ totally, belonging to him completely, belonging to him first before all else mean? How is that seen in my life, really? What does it cost you in perhaps relationships like your family or among friends? That examination of conscience might cause us to ask, does it mean you live life in public and at home more intentionally as a Christian? Does it mean you live differently than those who say, Lord, Lord, on their lips, but who don't follow the Lord in their actions? Among family and friends, how is it visible that the Lord is your primary relationship? Does it mean that you are intentional about prayer time at home for yourself and also together as a family? Can you calculate the hours spent on TV, entertainment, video games, and social media and draw some conclusions about how that might reveal some things are being placed ahead of the Lord? This examination of conscience might cause us to ask, what does being true to Jesus first cost you in other relationships, perhaps relationships like dating relationships or in marriage? Does it mean you will foster a sacrificial love that seeks and places the good of the other ahead of your own pleasures and self-interests? Does it mean avoiding the popular secular mindset that leads to cohabiting, living together before marriage? Does it mean forming a habit of praying out loud together as a couple? Does it mean guarding and observing chastity before marriage, and once married, observing chastity by being open to the gift of life? This examination of conscience from the gospel might cause us to ask, what does being a disciple cost you at school or at work, the places where you normally spend so much of your time? Does it mean letting yourself be known as a follower of the Lord in the halls of your school or your work? Does it mean you might shun crass jokes and the use of the Lord's name in vain, shockingly common these days and completely dismissed as if a minor sin. 
Does it mean trying to redirect conversations away from gossip at the lunch table or around the water cooler? Does it mean finding ways to bring up faith in the church among friends and acquaintances in conversation? Does it mean taking notice of someone at school or work who needs you to bring the compassion and the heart of Christ to help their burdens? You see, the scriptures indicate that following Jesus does and must cost us something if it is authentic. A discipleship, a Christianity that costs little or nothing is when it comes down to it, a fantasy. To be a disciple is to carry one's cross and to come after Jesus. We don't get to claim to be disciples if we won't carry a cross. In the light of today's gospel, we can ask ourselves, what crosses do I need to carry? In what areas of life do I need to accept hardship for the gospel? How ought I to live differently than the rest of the world lives? Calculate the cost is the clear gospel message. Have we calculated any cost? If following Jesus doesn't cost me anything, who am I really following? Does following Christ cost any time? If so, do I give that time? Does it cost any talent? If so, do I use my skills and abilities willingly to serve? Does it cost me anything financially? If so, do I sacrifice for the good of my local community, for the good of my parish, or for the good of a neighbor in need? What does get my time, my talent, and my finances? Does it cost me relationships? If my friends and acquaintances seem to enjoy living in sin, acting entertained and amused by sin, or living apart from Christ, do I go along because I don't want to take a stand and carry the cross? If we go along with false attempts at being disciples to use gospel imagery, what sort of tower would we be left with? If we attempt to take the cross out of following Christ, what sort of troop losses would be scattered across the battlefield that is this life as we strive to overcome sin and journey to heaven. And we try to convince ourselves of a cheap, cost-free discipleship. The first reading reminds us that God's wisdom, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is above our ways and that the deliberations of mortals are timid. We must be renewed in the message of today's psalm that we sang moments ago, that we adopt a heavenly wisdom to learn how to count our days. As we sang and prayed in that psalm, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart.